0: I ready myself to watch a drama set in the Shanghai dynasty. I expect to find a saga that revolves around characters who resemble that era. I expect to see things that, in their own uh, way, reflect the culture and the music and the food. If reviewers or commenters of the Shanghai Dynasty drama complained in the comment section because the empress was black and that the royal family was black. I would have no issue with it because when we think of China, we automatically think of Chinese people The truth is that the writers of this show were terrified for this show to be too white. It is obvious by the depictions in this story. And where they believe that they are fixing history, they are breaking the viewer's ability to buy into the story. When writing is well done, you get Downton Abbey. When writing isn't, you get Bridgerton. Bridgerton is a story of all mosts. The Queen of England is almost a psycho. The only thing holding back her complete insanity is the king who dares to continue to wake up every day and draw breath. There's the primary female love interest, Daphne, who is almost good at portraying this character, but fails to deliver. Then there's the Duke of Hastings, who is almost interesting until he begins to speak, and his justifications for refusing to grow up are as bad as the reasons why his father rejected him As a child, Daphne's mother almost loves her children until you notice that all she cares about in this life is marrying them off to the person that she wants them to marry instead of marrying for the love she claims that she had with her husband. Daphne's eldest brother of seven, four boys and four girls, or excuse me, eight, four boys and four girls is almost the man of the family after his father died until you realize that pretending to be running things will be his only accomplishment in life. Daphne's second oldest brother is almost interesting until you realize that he's not going to reveal that he's gay, but rather just likes to date the cougar Madame de la Croix. Daphne's third oldest brother is almost a gentleman until you realize that he's completely oblivious in reading any of the women around him. Whether they be in love or lying, he cannot discern any emotion as long as as it is emitting from a woman. The Duke of Hastings' aunt is almost interesting until you see that She's just loud and overbearing. Now, on to the story that's almost watchable. Part One, Coming Out. The Coming Out season In the British aristocracy is a season that is rife with activity. It is a season in which young women who have come of age are preparing to be presented to the wider public so that they may be sold to the highest bidder. It is Daphne's turn to be on the chopping block and she is excited. Excited as any woman who is 18 years old and whose mother has never told her how sex work works or how babies are made. Yet, she is still excited to get married. She's presented to the queen. The queen decides that she's going to leave the recesses of her throne and personally touch Daphne on the chin and lift it up and gaze into her face more closely and she declares that Daphne is the most beautiful thing in the kingdom this year this sets Daphne apart from all of the other young ladies who are in line to try to be sold because Daphne now has it made in the shade yet Daphne's older brother his her oldest of four brothers He is tasked with being the man of the family since the father has died. And he goes out of his way to block any man from having a chance with her. And it is not the healthy type of protection that a brother should have for his little sister. Yet, it's a hypocritical cock block because he is... Blocking people from doing the thing from her because of their poor reputations or their inabilities to pay debts, etc. But when you see the type of life that the brother lives, aka he's screwing around with a woman of low regard, you start to see that the hypocrisy just never stops with him. Nevertheless, he continues to block her ability to land the A husband. So she finds herself literally running away from a very uncomely man who is attempting to get with her. He is at least 40 years her senior and has zero looks, but he wants her. She runs out to the garden to get a breather. And lo and behold, the 40-year gapper is out there still trying to spit game. She rejects him, and he gets handsy, and so in order to get him off of her, she ends up socking him in the face. And him being the weakling that he is, despite his girth, he is knocked out cold. The Duke of Hastings is out there, and he notices this, and she profusely apologizes because in society, it is not womanly to knock a man out even when he's trying to do something to you first. All of their exchanges are very benign until he says, marry me. And she looks at him as though he has lost his mind. And he begins to spit that game to her. And she buys it. They enter back into the hall, as it were, back to the banquet. And because now she is on his arm, she is going to be afforded the luxury of being courted, By the very best of the best. Because since he is a duke, that is what his attention is going to afford her. He is hoping that her attention will afford him a breather from the aunt who is extremely overbearing and who desperately wants him married for one reason or the next. Part 2. The Alliance Daphne and the Duke of Hastings form an alliance that, to onlookers, looks as though, oh, they're in love. Oh, he's really into her, into her. Where they are discussing and bickering over how many dances they will do at the next ball so that they look believable, or what type of flowers he should buy and send to her home so that her mother and her siblings buy Everybody else is under the mistaken notion that they are in love. But nothing can be further from the truth. They attempt to give her mother some level of wizened ability to see that she actually does love the Duke. And that the Duke actually does love her. Except the Duke is incapable of letting go. Because when he was a child, he was brutalized by his father by heinous neglect and gratuitous meanness he was a stammerer and as a very young child had a very difficult time with speech and language and his father castigated him demeaned him demoralized him rejected him disowned him to the point that the governesses and the help in the castle had to raise him because his father felt that he was an imbecile and that he was beneath his calling to be a great lineage of the Hastings name therefore the duke of hastings grew up with a complex that disallows him from ever wanting to sire another heir that bears that name and he shares as much with his father on his dying bed and that is the straw that kicks dad on over the edge and he he goes ahead and and dies from a heart attack from hearing the son that he hated anyway tell him that he will never bear an heir. Part 3. Fake it, but never make it. As you can already assume, Daphne and the Duke of Hastings being the lead couple in this saga They end up at the altar, but not at the altar because they are there in lover's bliss. They are there because they are following this alliance and this lie to a conclusion. During this marriage ceremony, if we can call this, that the Duke makes a confession and it pans in close because he's being honest now. And Daphne looks at him as though, wow. Wow. You're really telling the truth about me right now? Because if you're not, I'm falling in love with you more. So they get married. They get married and it's time for them to leave. But before she leaves, she has a bit of a panic attack and goes to her room and sits down. Because even though she is, by all accounts, a grown woman in that society, nevertheless... She doesn't know a damn thing. Okay? Before he, before she met him, and while they were going through their farce of the alliance, he told her to touch herself. Because she actually did not know what married people did with each other. So. She touches herself because of his recommendation. And this helps on the honeymoon night. Because he asks her as such, have you done what I told you to do? And she says yes. And so he reenacts, you know, he guides her into self-play. And eventually it's time for them to get it in. But she doesn't not know. How sex works. So he tells her. This is going to hurt a bit. And it hurts for about 2.5 seconds. And then she's in bliss. And she's in glory and all of this. And she says no wonder. My mom never told me any of this. Because. I wouldn't have never been able to figure out. Anything else better to do with my time. So they frolic. And they end up. Having a very, let's just say, rambunctious sex life, and I say rambunctious because it's more comical than it is titillating. It's not. It's it's missing something, and that's why I coined this show almost because I there is a real fine line between gratuity and uh, scarcity. What I mean by that is there are some shows you're going to watch and they're not being realistic about the romance. And you got two grown people that look like, you know, diamonds. You mean to tell me they can keep they can manage to keep their hands off each other. They don't even kiss. They don't even hug. They're not holding hands nothing. Yeah, that's insulting. But another thing that is very annoying to watch is gratuitous sex where it becomes a farce, where it becomes comical and they're just kind of screwing 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 and I think that they were going for daring for edgy and it could have been that if they would have had two actors who were good these two the best way I can describe these two actors is that there was absolutely no soul to what they were doing the Duke of Hastings let's think about an actor Who could bring the Duke of Hastings to his persona. And who could embody it and make you feel something. Let's think about Russell Crowe. Now I know his teeth are getting a little long. But think about him in his prime. Think about uh, Jude Law. a, A guy who's getting up there a little bit. But we can think about him Being a younger man. And if you gave him a role like the Duke of Hastings, you would feel something. He would get down into the pit of the Duke of Hastings. I didn't believe that the Duke of Hastings believed anything when he said those things. It's like there's acting and then there is... Being, and I don't know how to describe it well, but the best I can come up with is that the people let go. These two actors never let go, and you would think that oh, they're automatically letting go because she's showing nipple and he's showing ass and all these kind of things, and they're naked and they're in the rain and they're frolicking, rolling around the lawn, and but no, it was just like comedy you you're almost waiting to laugh which i don't think is the right emotion that should be intermingling in a romantic scene i actually in this instance because i do think some dramas do underestimate you and treat you like a child and they try to give you this pg version of love which is like okay Maybe, you know, but not with grown people, especially when you have children and stuff. I mean, you're not being realistic. But this here was something different. And what I would have rather seen, what could have made it better, I would have preferred just better kissing. Just more sensual, more soulful, more loving kissing. Taking your time, savoring the damn kiss. This is how their kissing went. First press into the lips and then rip your face off with the kiss and rip your clothes off. And I do understand that there could be an element of let's rip your clothes off. But every time they had sex, they were ripping clothes off. You're not going to bring the same mood to every session of sex that you have. Now, you all are making the viewer dissect this like this because I am being generous by saying they had maybe 10 sex scenes, which is a lot for a drama. Like a drama is normally going to give you one, maybe two, but 10. And I'm being generous Excuse me, I'm being conservative, because it was probably more than that. I mean, every single time they kissed, it would be like, mwah, and then I am going to just skin your face, eat that skin, and then have sex with you. Okay? And if we need to get down into the nitty-gritty, let's get down into the nitty-gritty. Since you guys want to give us gratuity, since you want to give us butt shots, and since you want to give us skin... When you have sex and you're going to paint it onto the big screen, the people who are having the sex need to, their rhythms need to be sexy. They were in shape, so it wasn't like it was something um, wrong with that. But again, it was comical. It just got to the point where I felt like, A laugh track was going to run at any point. So they're married. And they have confessed that they love each other. To each other. Out loud. But every time they have sex, he pulls out and he comes on the sheets. Or he comes into a tissue. Or a handkerchief. Because back then would they have tissues? And Daphne being The doofus that she is, at first, the first 12 times they have sex, she knows none the wiser. She doesn't know that, okay, you got a husband now. You guys can go for it and you don't have to stop if you don't want to. Until one day that he, they're in his office and he comes into a kerchief. She goes to her lady's maid. And she forces this woman to sit down and tell her how babies are made. This bitch does not know how babies are made. Yes, I just called. Hey, for you to be put out on a meat market, a literal meat market, and your mom not tell you, hey, wait a second. Okay, before you get married, let me just run it down for you real quick. This is what's going to happen. Does she do that? N-O spells no. So the next time that they have sex, she decides that she is going to force this guy to come in you. Because of his traumatic childhood and everything I already explained, he is a child, a baby phobe. He don't want to have no children. And she takes this as a high offense. So she reverses positions where she is in control on top. So when he comes, she doesn't move. And somehow... I guess he's, he isn't strong enough somehow just because she's on top. He can't flip her back over and pull out or whatever. But she does go ahead and uh he does finish inside and he's upset. And she's more upset because she was under the impression that he couldn't have children when he began to kind of break it down to her like, we can get married and all that stuff and i can do all of that but we don't have to have children i can't have children she interpreted that as i am incapable of producing viable you know sperm cells and let me take all of that back cuz she didn't she didn't know that because i doubt this girl even knew what sperm was she didn't even know how babies were made she didn't know how sex was had one of her sisters who is the next in line to be sold does not know how a baby is made. She actually told her friend and was serious. Ask a girl that's in your house who has come down pregnant. Ask her what she has done in order to have a baby because we want to make sure that we avoid it at all costs. As in, like, what she ate and what she drank. And, you know, she told a girl that it was out of love and she's. they're looking puzzled and befuddled because they don't understand how that translates to a baby. I mean. That was a very. Very stupid thing. I just thought that that point was very stupid. So she goes off on the. Duke of Hastings. And it blows up and it's a big thing. Because he assumed that she already knew. But rea- the reality is that. He's stupid. Because he told the girl to play with herself. For the first time. He was the only person that had ever told her. To explore her own body. So how did you assume that she knew where babies came from? But maybe he did think that, you know what, maybe she doesn't know how to get herself there. But come on, everybody knows how human beings are made. So maybe he isn't so stupid. Maybe in that regard, he was just naive. The Honeymooners. Instead of Daphne and the Duke of Hastings continuing in marital sexual bliss as a result of being in the honeymoon phase, they're on the verge of separation. The Duke does not want children where Daphne, her entire existence revolve around, revolves around having children that she didn't know how to bring them, into the world about three or four days before she confronts the Duke of Hastings over his unwillingness to come inside of her. They go back to London because there is a scandal afoot. And that scandal is that her third eldest brother is engaged to a girl who comes out of a home by the last name of Featherington. And she is not a daughter, but rather a distant cousin who comes on the scene and, after so long, is discovered to be pregnant. She schemes to get him to propose to her. Because she needs to find a father for her child. So Daphne comes back home to save the day with that. For one reason or the next, she is beyond willing to allow this woman 100% mercy over the way that she tried to scam her way into this brother's life. Daphne doesn't see it as a problem. She has compassion and she has mercy. The same compassion and mercy that for one reason or another she can't seem to bring herself to have for the Duke of Hastings. A person with that strong an aversion to having children has a problem. Yet, her Not knowing where babies come from is probably something that doesn't allow her the uh, ability to think very well. Daphne and the Duke come back and they clean that mess up. And the brother decides that he's had enough of London and that he is going to go and explore in Greece. So they do the London thing. There are balls and different societal functions for them to go to. And despite them being in the honeymoon phase, they are on the verge of separating. But for anyone looking on, they cannot tell because they put a mask up as if that is what is going on. Everything in between. So as you already know, the show was not always about Daphne and the Duke of Hastings because the show would have been about 20 minutes and then that would have been it because their story really wasn't that involved. Other characters in the story that were compelling, let's say this, they were pushed forward. As important enough stories for them to have their own segments include Eloise, who is the second eldest daughter to Mrs. Bridgerton or Daphne's mother. Eloise is a very quirky, less than feminine girl. She does not have any desire to be sold on the meat market, which is an admirable quality about her. That she has a different idea of what she wants to do with her life. In the course of her being who she is, she catches the attention of the Queen. So much so that the Queen believes that she has what it takes to find out who Mrs. Whistledown is. Mrs. Whistledown is the National Enquirer of this town. She's the National Enquirer, excuse me. And she publishes... She publishes a circulation every day and that circulation is the town gossip and she is never wrong. So the reason why Daphne and the Duke of Hastings know to come back to London to do a cleanup job is because Mrs. Whistledown has publicized that her brother is about to marry a girl who's already knocked up. So Eloise goes on this mission as a reporter as it were to attempt to find who this Whistledown is. She has some clues and she continues to produce goose eggs. And the queen is not happy because remember the queen is a psychopath in the making. So she wants to please the queen because she's the queen. She goes on all these wild goose chases and it ends up that she's one breath away from finding out who Mrs. Whistledown is. But the moment that she arrives in her carriage to meet Missus Whistledown's carriage, another carriage rolls up, and she can sense the imminent danger and tells Whistledown to run because their meetup was a setup. So Whistledown gets away, and we still don't find quite find out who Whistledown is yet. The second eldest sister Eloise is not too happy about that because she has felt like she had her finger on who Mrs. Whistledown was all this time. And her having her in her grasp, you can imagine, makes her feel like she has to go back to square one. Another story that was pushed to prominence was the story of the cousin of the Feathertons who came to town and lived in the home. She was not wanted by the wife, It was a husband's relative, Mr. Featherton's relative, who she was from. And she came, and all the men in the town came to court her. She was just the most beautiful thing in the world. Was she in reality? You'll have to check and find out. But she was always in opposition to that mother. That mother was watching her like a hawk. And when she discovered that she was pregnant, demanded, that she find a man, ASAP. So that's what she did. Now, her wanting to attach herself to the third eldest brother was a problem for one of the Featherton daughters. And that Featherton daughter was Penn. Penn is a character that I almost can say that I like. Penn was interesting to watch. If I can use a word, interesting. She was the fat sister. She... Didn't get a lot of attention. She had a really good approach, though. Her actions and her reasonings were on point. She befriended Marina when nobody else would. She was close to Marina. She cared about Marina. She welcomed Marina to the family because nobody else did. And as a result of them becoming close... When Marina wanted to push up on the third Bridgerton, she had a problem with that. Not only because Penn had a high sense of integrity, but because Penn was in love with the third Bridgerton boy. And her love disallowed her to be able to allow who had become her genuine friend to do that to him because of obvious reasons. Pen attempts to corner the brother at a dinner that they had at some point. Because since they were betrothed, the Feathertons and the Bridgertons, which was it Featherington or Bridgerton? But the Featheringtons, I think, they were about to become family. Now, Mrs. Bridgerton hated Mrs. Featherton. Mrs. Featherton was a very unlikable person. To me, Miss Bridgerton was, too, for different reasons. But to give you a, a bit of a hint of Mrs. Featherington's or Featherton, I can't remember which one it is, guys, but it doesn't matter. Her personality was, like, not a good person, very conniving, had ugly daughters that nobody wanted. Pen wasn't ugly. She was just fat. So that always put her at a disadvantage because they didn't want her. Um. So she was so Mrs. Featherington was that evil lady that you would assume. She wasn't necessarily villain level, but she was just somebody who you knew you were not going to like from the first second you saw her, and you were not wrong. The way she dressed her daughters really did not help in the cause either. Where everyone else, which I am absolutely for being different, but when you're, you gotta be cute with it. Okay? If I'm going to do some different things, it's the, the pro the, the final result still has to be cute. I mean, I still have to be cute about it. Her daughters, she liked them wearing yellow. Bright uh yellow. Bright, ugly, just gaudy uh dresses, plenty of floral, nothing wrong with floral, nothing wrong with yellow, but the way they wore it was just not good. They were tacky. That's what it is they were just tacky she had a very tacky taste so she attempted to corner the third boy but she was unsuccessful because marina marina was that type of girl who had a lot of street smarts marina was mixed so she had a lot of trouble let's just say that you could tell that wherever the hell she came from she was probably running from therefore she knows when she's got a lot of street smarts. So she knew when P- what Penn was about to go do because when the third gets up from the table and then Penn gets up from the table and Marina can tell that Penn is in love with this boy, she knew that she was going to have to intervene. So her intervention in the hallway of the Bridgerton home disallowed Penn from dropping the real bombs on the situation. But Mrs. Miss Whistledown, she was able to report it, and that's how that whole story came into being. So, let me finish out Marina's story because they pushed hers to the forefront as something that we should care about, which I actually didn't. Nevertheless, Marina was betrothed, she wasn't patrolled, but she was screwing around with a boy who went to the war, and as a result. She stopped hearing from him because, I don't know, when you go to war, you die. She thought she was abandoned instead of thinking what the first logical step should have been was that he was no longer alive, and it turns out that he was dead. Daphne, the duchess, was responsible for asking a couple of favors and finding out more information about this girl's hookup buddy. So, his brother comes to the Featheringtons' home to deliver this bad news. But in addition to the bad news, he has some good news. The only spark of hope that I felt in the entire show, the only time I felt a little fraction of a flutter was when the brother came. The brother came and said, hey, my brother has passed away. He died on the battlefield. But as his brother, I feel A responsibility to you. Not only because you was his woman. But because you were about to bring my nephew into the world. If you will have me. I will have you. Now in a 2021 world. We do not think. You know. Let me say this. Because you can't speak for other people. In a a current society. Most people might look astray. At something like that. They might feel as though. Your brother stepping up but this brother was fine he had a cleft in his chin like a dimple not so much a cleft but the dimple in the chin and was dressed up in his military attire because he was a former soldier as well he was tall all his hair hair was still brunette I mean he was a good looking guy and for Marina And the way that she carried herself and the way that she operated in this world where she was willing to do, willing to scheme and scam her way to a daddy for her baby. That brother's betrothal was almost like him being Prince Charming and her being Cinderella. So she should have jumped all the way on top of that, but she did not. Not right then. Because she was headstrong and determined not to do that but as the series drew to a close she made the right choice and resolved that you know what I'm just gonna have to probably learn how to be happy with this guy and maybe it'll come to me over time but he was so cute that uh I don't think she's gonna have to wait for too long but again half of a flutter that was the only time I have that Another character that was pushed to the fore that they wanted us to care about that was not likable was the brother, the eldest Bridgerton. The eldest Bridgerton was in love with an opera opera, opera, opera singer. And he would rendezvous with her in secret. And he rejected her. He broke up with her. Because at one point he realized that after he had betrothed Daphne, to a troll of a man that he needed to take his job as a head of the family more seriously and realizing his blunder of almost burying her off to a complete ogre he wanted to focus and he wanted to be a man of whatever the hell he was trying to be so he broke up with the girl and destroyed her so he went and tried to start being this man of the family which he failed to do again and When he ended up at an uh, exhibition fight, and it wasn't even an exhibition fight, it was a fight that happens regularly between this boxer and someone else. Obviously, two boxers having a fight. She was there with her new squeeze because she is not supposed to sit back lonely because you don't want to mar your name by being associated with me. So I'm not mad at her for that. And she was there and he was there and they're on opposite sides of the fighting ring. And he look; he's looking at her like, I want you. She's looking at him like, I want you. They dip off underneath the seats and get it in while the fight's going on. She goes back up and for all intents and purposes, they are back on, let's just say. So he goes back to her room and after some time and they're, giggling and pretending to be just so happy and all of these things and he's got to go do his thing and she's got to get up and do her thing and they part ways at the draw of the series he ends up at her house on a pop-up visit which is never a good idea please don't stop popping up at people's houses because you are always going to get every single feeling in your body hurt and he did and she he knocked on the door and a man the man that was her squeeze at the boxing match was at the door because in her mind you got me messed up you are not about to take me back down sesame street in order to end up on elm street you're not going to destroy me again so she's like i have got to continue getting every ounce of my life so she comes and rolls up and says it's all good just let me talk to him her main squeeze is understanding so he leaves and he goes back inside And she basically spits that game at him and tells him, look, I am a good time for you, but I am not a toy. I will not be treated like a dildo. And although I like you and you claim you like me, you are never going to be able to be with me because you you are a coward and you will never in your life claim me in front of anybody. Now, that night he had decided that, he was going to take her to this ball or whatever and she was like um you cannot be seen in public with me he was like i'm going to do it anyway but she's smart enough to know him know him and know that his family name means more to him than anybody ever will so she summarily dumped him and he left like the loser that he is the last point i will make and i will draw this to a close is Who is Miss Featherton? Which actually. Could. Let me say this. Who Miss. Not Featherton. Who Mrs. Whistledown was. Was more interesting. Than probably every storyline they had on the show. Really. Because every storyline was like. So predictable. This show was so. You didn't even feel smart. As an as a result of the predictions either. like You were like, oh, okay, well, this is what the show was going to do. Yeah, there was just no surprise, none. Because Daphne and the Duke had a baby at the end. And that baby was a boy, and he held the boy, and he touched the boy, and he was happy about it. And I guess this was a mystery for the next season, but he was like, in family tradition, his name shall be a shall begin with A, and she's like that sounds about right, you know. And it's like, okay, so his name is a secret. Okay, that you mean to tell me this is the suspense you guys? That's the best amount of suspense for these two story that you guys can give us. That's supposed to carry us over until another season, huh? Or y'all over. Nevertheless, so Pen is Mrs. Fe- Mrs. Whistleton. She is Mrs. Whistledown. And at first I didn't like it because I didn't like the fact that upon finding out that she is Miss Whistledown, whenever the deal goes down, that it can temper with her ability to, it's like this, she loves the third boy. I think the third boy loves her. He just, you know, is going to have to go and run through a few Greek girls to realize that, you know. Maybe Pen is the one. I don't know. But I think he likes her too. I think it's more platonic for him. But once he finds out what somebody staring at you for more than 10 seconds in a row means, he might start changing his mind. Who knows? Because he's not really all that cute either. So you know how I like my couples matching. And to be real, Pen is not ugly. She's just fat. Her face is cute, but she's just not you know everything else is not necessarily there and she looks young too so some age on her might help nevertheless I didn't like her being whistled down because I didn't like the fact that it's one of those situations where you can tell they're gonna actually allow her to be with him they're gonna get together and then he's gonna find out that you know she's whistled down and spread scandal about his family and he's gonna be offended and he's gonna leave her alone and she's gonna be devastated so I don't want that to happen because I want Penn to win I want Penn to win but what I do like about it is that Penn is always the odd man out she's the sister that nobody cares about even though the other sisters are not cute at all like they are not cute they're like a wolf they're not cute but She's the odd man out, and nobody's checking for her. Nobody actually cares about her opinion. Nobody pays attention to her. Now her and the third boy are, are good friends. He seems very charismatic and careful with her. And I do like their interactions. I don't feel any flutters because he, you know, he's oblivious. But um I do want her to win. But I like that she's whistled down because the third boy may come back and play all of the games with her. And I like the fact that she has the most power in town. The person that has more power than the queen, than the dukes, than the aristocracy. She is running that town. Every day when they get up and, and read that circular of her newest goings on in town, they dictate their lives On that little pamphlet that she publishes every day. And I think it's awesome that the one that's the odd man out is the one running the entire circus. Final thoughts. I think I've been pretty explicit about how it's very difficult for me to find anything to care about anybody in this story. Pen is the only one that I think has an interesting story. So if any of the creators of this show listen to podcasts associated with them, you would be wise to focus on Pen. Level Pen up. Get her out of the tacky-ass yellow. Take all the bright floral off. Grow her up a little bit. If If you guys have to stay on hiatus for a year or two, She could serve well on that. Get her in shape. Make her, you know, get her hair right. You know, because her mom's so tacky. She just, any beauty those girls could have will never surface. Because the mother is so tacky. So, the creators would do wise to focus on Pen. Focus on Pen. So, my verdict on the cringe or binge when it comes to the Bridgerton's is cringe, and it's cringe because of reasons that I won't go into again. I hope you that you, I hope that you have been enjoying our new segments of Bookie, where I've ventured into dramas and movies and TV. I enjoy it, the aspect of bringing it to you. It gets painful watching it stuff that I would just never watch in a gazillion years but your entertainment is what this podcast is all about this has been bookie and I will see you on the next episode